You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks and praise that you have gathered us uh, at this time, drawn us together in worship, and I pray that by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, as we gather in your name, that you would be in the midst of us, and I pray ultimately at this time that not my words, but ultimately your living word, Jesus, your son, would go forth, that he indeed would take root in our hearts and in our lives and bear in them the fruit, the joy, the freedom of your salvation. All this I ask in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We have a great passage before us this morning in the 12th chapter uh, of John's Gospel. And it is a significant moment. It's a moment of tremendous transition in the life and the ministry of Jesus in his continuing revelation to his followers. Uh, And it is uh, brought about uh, seemingly uh, by a uh, seemingly if, if not innocuous, uh, a simple uh, request uh, from some Greeks who gather. Uh, and the, uh, the text this morning speaks to many of the elemental things that you and I experience um, in our lives, uh, life uh, and death and the call to love and relationships, uh, the um, call to serve, our, our looking and our longing and our seeking Um, after meaning and contentment and our desire um, in our lives um, to be enough. It's just a few things um, going on this morning that I'll I'll, um, unpack um, for us. Uh, A great text before us, and uh, as I've been thinking about this, one of the things that Jesus um, so clearly addresses, uh, not just here but throughout the gospel, is his death, uh, is the time of his death, the purpose of of his death, the necessity and the benefit given to you and to me um, through his death. Uh, Three days from now uh, will be the anniversary of my father's death. And so naturally that's something that's been on my mind and visited with mom recently and we went through um, small pictures and things of that sort. It's it's funny, we were going through, Everyone has this, and perhaps you do as well. What is in the top dresser drawer um, in your room? Uh, and if, if, it's, if your drawer is anything like mine or my dad's, it's, it's, uh, it's stuff that you held onto that you can't get rid of. Um, uh, mementos, uh, cards, um, pictures. Um, unfortunately, um, there were some of our academic transcripts in there. There were um, all sorts of things that were there um, in dad's drawers. We, went through and we went through some of that together and, and as I approach, as I mentioned, that, that one year anniversary of dad's death, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure um, what I feel. The, the words that Paul wrote to the Corinthians uh, uh, are often resonant with me. Now we see in a mirror dimly. Um, I don't know if you're like that. I, I often find it difficult um, to fully um, understand and articulate the emotions um, that I am feeling. But I, but I mention um, death and certainly I think about my father's uh, death and, and the loss of that, and yet even in the midst of it, one of the things that was profoundly impressed upon me um, in his death after a long illness and, and continues to be true today is, is a tremendous gratitude, 
uh, is a tremendous gratitude and, and thanksgiving. Yes, um, for, for dad, certainly. He, <laughs> wildly flawed and imperfect, thanks be to God, uh, but lived in a way for us, his family, that was sacrificial uh, and not for us alone. He, he, uh, he served and he sacrificed again uh, in, a, in, a, in a very um, imperfect way and there was, there was plenty of, of, of self-focus and all of that that's present in all of us, but, but, I, but I remember that. But one of the things that I remember so clearly and unmistakably is shortly after his death, some words were impressed upon me and they're words from uh, the burial office and it was a joy and it was a thanksgiving and it was rejoicing even in the midst of the sadness that he is now where sorrow and pain are no more neither sighing but life um, everlasting, where sorrow and pain are no more, neither sighing um, but life everlasting. And the, and the certainty of that, um, the, the joy of that, the ability to say that without any reservation was based not on my dad's merits but on the merits of Jesus Christ. Uh, not on dad's merits but on the merits of Jesus Christ and what he has won for us and accomplished for us through his cross and through his resurrection by his becoming the seed that would fall into the ground and die um, on behalf of you and me, that he might be raised, um, that new life might go forth um, into the world. And, and there's, so much, um, uh, there's so much imagery and there's so much happening as we build up to this moment in the 12th chapter of John's Gospel that we are reflecting on um, this morning. Uh, we immediately before this, we see Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, uh, showing the power and the authority that he has over sin and death. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and many of the religious leaders of Jesus' day, and you're familiar with this, they didn't receive that with good news. Um, that, that, that upset um, their hold on things, that, that, um, that, that changed the dynamics for them, and, and they said, uh, the whole world is going after him. Uh, is what they said. The whole world is going after him uh, and we need to do something about this. And, and ironically, they didn't realize they were being ironic. They said, you know, it's better that one man die, meaning we need to kill Jesus, uh, than death um, come upon many. Uh, as I say, they didn't know the faith they had. They didn't know how accurate um, that particular statement was and they begin, of course, to plot and to plan Jesus' death and we see that Jesus goes to Jerusalem at the time of the Passover. And he goes um, for a meal at the home of Mary and Martha uh, and Lazarus, and Mary anoints Jesus. Uh, she anoints um, Jesus' feet, unknowingly preparing him for his death and for his burial. And Jesus triumphantly enters into Jerusalem at the time of the Passover, the time in which the people remembered um, that God's judgment passed over them, uh, not because of them, but because of the blood of the Lamb, uh, that judgment passed over them. All this phenomenal uh, imagery is, is coming into play here to show us clearly who Jesus is and what he has come to accomplish um, for you and for me, um, that his death was not an accident, um, that his death was not um, a byproduct, that his death was not something that surprised God, that God then went about to redeem. Uh, no, this was his intent from the very beginning, that he might come um, that he might lay down his life um, for you and for me. Again, if we, if we back up a little bit, there's that amazing portion of John's gospel in the 10th chapter where Jesus describes himself as a shepherd, one who, who knows and desires a relationship with you and with me, one who is not distant or indifferent, but who rolls up his sleeves, who comes in um, to the world, who comes into the human condition and says, I know my sheep, uh, I know my sheep, 
Uh, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them too, that there may be one flock and one shepherd. And he describes the means by which he will do this. He says, uh, I will lay down my life and take it up again. No one takes it from me, Jesus says. I lay down my life and I take it up again. This authority I received from my Father, no one takes it from me. I willingly lay down my life and I take it up again. I've come that my sheep um, have my, might have life and have it in the fullest. I've come that my joy might be in them and that their joy might be complete. No one and nothing, Jesus says, can snatch um, my sheep from my hand. All of this comes and now some Greeks come to see Jesus and they go to Philip likely because he has a Greek name because he's from Bethsaida and they ask him to see, sir, we wish to see Jesus, those famous words. Uh, I gather Philip's a little uh, indecisive. He goes to Andrew, um, who has no trouble making decisions, um, thanks be to God. Uh, and they go, uh, they go before Jesus uh, and uh, Jesus says those, those uh, puzzling words at first, now the time has come, now um, the time um, has come. If you remember back to the second chapter, when Jesus' mother um, comes to him, they're at the wedding feast, uh, and they have run out of wine. And what are the words that Jesus says to his mother? I know, it's, I know you know them. Uh, why are you coming to me? My, my time um, has not yet come. It's not my time yet. And now he says, uh, the time has come. The hour has come. Um, the world uh, is now being drawn um, to Jesus because we see those from outside of the people of Israel are coming and they are seeking. Sir, um, we wish to see Jesus. And granted, um, there's a certain amount of imagination, speculation here as, as I fill in this, but, but I have no doubt in saying that the Greeks come to see Jesus. Certainly, um, there is likely a certain amount of curiosity, um, but I think it's infinitely more than that. Um, they're, they're seeking. They are um, longing because that is endemic to the human condition, isn't it? Um, we all seek. We all um, long. We, we all desire um, to be filled. We all desire to be enough uh, and, and to know um, enough uh, and to be uh, at rest. And so they are seeking and they come to Jesus. And as they do so, I would say that there is a certain amount of risk in this. Not only uh, in, in being associated with Jesus, but, but uh, I would say in some ways uh, this is a death of sorts because they are becoming vulnerable. Uh, and they uh, and they might be uh, they might be disappointed. They don't know what the outcome of this encounter um, with Jesus might be. And so, as we as we talk about death, as we reflect on death, we certainly think about that ultimate um, death which we all experience. But what I would say is, um, there are for all of us numerous deaths along the way, aren't there? Uh, there 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 are numerous um, small deaths. Um, along the way, when, um, when, when, things, uh, when things are lost and, and wonderfully, graciously, through the grace and the power of God at work in our lives, those can be the means of life. Those deaths that we all um, seek um, to avoid, uh, that we all seek to insulate ourselves from, those various deaths which happen along the way uh, are more often than not, the means by which the power of God and the grace of God um, enters into um, yours and my life. And so uh, we, we hear that um, Jesus uh, describes that the hour has come, that the Son of Man has come for this very reason, that the seed of wheat must fall into the ground and die, but in doing so it will bear um, fruit. And we are invited 
um, to follow him uh, and to be with him in that and to follow and to be with him in that shape and fashion um, and form of life. Uh, but I would ask you the question, um, as we see people being drawn to him, what gets in the way for you? What gets in the way for you? What, what fears um, do you have? What concerns um, do you have? Where do you feel anxious um, to trust uh, and, and to step forward? Um, what, what gets in the way? And I would say that what often gets in the way for you and for me is the, is, is the lies and the allure uh, of the world and the myriad ways in which you and I try to be enough. All the various ways in our life um, that we try um, to be enough. One, one of my favorite lines, a friend of mine, uh, she was interviewing for a job and um, one of the questions that they asked her at one point was, uh, basically, do you think you're up for this job? Do you think she, you're sufficient for this job? It was a, it was, it was a big job and, and her response, I, I love her response, her response was, you know what, I'm, I'm afraid I'm gonna be found out every day. Um, do you think you're enough for this job? Basically, the question was given to her is the question that the world asks of you and me all the time, are you enough? Are you enough? Are you valuable enough? Have you done um, enough? Have you accomplished uh, enough? Are you measuring up? Uh, and that is the question of the world to us constantly. Are you enough? And we strive and we strive and we strive in and, and all um, the various means, and I could begin to enumerate them, but you know them, don't you? You know them in your heart. You know them um, in your mind. You know the way um, that the enemy whispers to you, you're not enough. You are, you are, you are not enough. You need to do more. Uh, you need to be um, more. You're not enough. And may I say um, to you this morning that it's true. And let me say that's the beginning of the good news. <laughs> It is true for you and for me that we are not enough. And all of your striving and all of your efforts, uh, you'll, you'll never be enough. If you're trying to measure up on your own, if you're trying to be enough um, on your own, if you're trying to find life in what you can accomplish or acquire, you will never be enough. And you will never know peace or joy um, or contentment um, or rest. But wonderfully, uh, there is a place uh, where that can be found. I was reminded um, of a movie, I don't know, it's, it's, a, funny, uh, it's a funny movie, uh, and it's a 2001 movie, A Knight's Tale. Do any of y'all remember that one, A Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger? Um, and it's, um, it's, a, it's a funny, quirky, uh, so the, from memory here, forgive me if some of the details are, are off here, but um, Heath Ledger is, is a peasant, uh, a, a squire, and he works for a, a knight, a nobleman, uh, and this knight and this nobleman dies, and, and Ledger is just like the rest of us. He has a longing, uh, well, he's not Ledger, he's William Thatcher um, in, the, in the movie, uh, and he has, a, he has a longing and a desire for glory, uh, right? Don't we all? Uh, a longing uh, and a desire um, for glory. He, he, wants, um, he wants to be enough. And so he begins this quest, and he, and he assumes the identity of a knight, uh, of a nobleman. He, he runs into a guy, Geoffrey Chaucer, um, you, may have, you may have heard of, um, 
wrote a little story called The Knight's Tale. Um, and, he, and he creates these papers for him, this, uh, this lineage that he might be a nobleman. He enters into these um, jousting contests. And as you might imagine, uh, there is... Uh, there's a beautiful noble woman um, that, that he loves, a, f- a fair maiden, uh, and uh, along the way, of course, there is also a proper villain. Um, Count Adamar uh, is, is the villain, and, and he, <laughs> he is the perfect uh, epitome uh, of, worldly, uh, of worldly power, uh, not only of, of, of worldly power, but uh, of, of, of competency and, and accomplish an accomplishment, and he, and he has this awful phrase um, that he says, uh, an entirely effective phrase that he says to people he defeats, uh, and, he, and, do y'all, and if, if you've seen it, you probably remember it, because it's, again, it's the message of the world. You have been weighed, you have been measured, uh, and you have been found wanting. You have been weighed, you have been measured, you have been found wanting. Isn't that the source of our nightmares, um, to hear that phrase in our lives? You've been weighed, you've been measured, you've been found wanting. Um, you are not enough. Uh, and now wallow, um, and now wallow uh, in your defeat. Uh, and so these are the words which, which go forth. Uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler alert, but of course you probably had no idea that this might come to a happy ending, um, a knight's tale. But um, these are the words which he speaks, but there's this moment um, where, where Thatcher is revealed for who he is, uh, just a, a simple peasant. And there's, and there's a scene um, at the end uh, of the movie, and uh, Thatcher again is, is now... He's now revealed for who he, he really is. All of the uh, facades which he had constructed are, are stripped away. And, he, and he's there in the jousting rink, and he doesn't have his armor on. He's just clothed in his normal, regular um, peasant clothes, nothing special. And he's going up against Count Adamar, who is uh, just stepped out of central casting in his black um, armor and his majestic steed. And, and now here they are um, preparing to joust one another, uh, and, and off they go. And of course, you, you don't know what's coming, right? Uh, wonderfully, Thatcher uh, is victorious, uh, and Adamar is defeated, and, and the scene is, is Adamar um, laying upon the ground, uh, and Thatcher and his friends um, are now standing over him, and of course, you know, um, you know um, what they say to him. You have been weighed, you have been measured, uh, you have been found wanting. And then it goes on, welcome to the new world. God save you, if it is right, um, he should do so. God save you, if it is right, um, he should do so. These people come to Jesus um, seeking. And Jesus says, now the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The world would tempt us with all sorts of vain glories which don't last. And yet we see what glory looks like in God's offering of himself for you and for me in Jesus, in his humility, in his weakness, in his vulnerability, in his desire that you and I might be saved. Uh, God's glory, God's character, God's desires for you and for me uh, are revealed. And wonderfully, we see as well the victory of God that will shockingly come into the world by that seed of wheat falling into the ground and dying, by being raised up again in the resurrection. We hear from John's gospel, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people um, to myself. 
Uh, as Zach wonderfully preached last week in the book of Numbers in John 3 when Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that he might draw the world um, to himself. Here is um, the good news. Uh, based um, on our performance, it's not right that God should save us, but this is the new world, the world in which Jesus has been crucified and risen, and that is exactly what is done for you and for me. We are wanting, um, we will be wanting, uh, and yet uh, it is in this, it is in our incompleteness, it is in our inability um, that God um, comes in. He steps into the arena of this world and he puts aside um, all of his armor. Jesus was weighed and he was measured um, for us. He tells us it is for this reason he has come. And in his cross is his glory. And in the cross of Jesus Christ is our glory, a glory that cannot um, be taken away from us. Are you tired uh, of trying to measure up and to be enough? Are you weary from that? Are you ready um, to put down your armor and to let someone fight for you? And I would encourage you um, to go ahead and die. Just let it go, like the seed, um, fall into the ground and die and let all of that go. Uh, and in so doing, finding the truth that Jesus is trustworthy and he's true and you will find your life in him. You will find your rest in him, uh, the direction um, for your soul um, and for your life. The good news is that he is enough and he has come into the world that you and I might be gathered through him. His glory is in his sacrifice and in his cross. And in so doing, you and I, through faith, through being with him, we are um, enough. And I pray that you'll find in that uh, the truth and the way and the life. Let us pray. Almighty God, it is that time of the year when everything around us speaks of, uh, of your new creation, of, of new life, of uh, of hope that the things which had grown old are now um, being made new. By the work of your spirit, we pray, by the merits and mediation of your cross and your resurrection, draw us to you and make a new life in us, one that cannot and will not be taken away, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.